0: Your source when you need answers. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. What is the secret behind uh, self-heating cans of coffee? How does that work? There is no fire involved, no flame involved. How do you get the heat in these coffees that uh, come in a can? Press a button on the bottom of the can and heats the coffee. If you know the answer to that question, you go call at 514-790-0800. You can also text your comments uh, to 514-800. I'm Josh Schwartz. I direct McGill University's Office for Science and Society. Uh, My background is chemistry and as I always tell you, I think that chemistry is the central science. It is the one that ties all these other sciences together uh, because essentially it is the study of molecules and the changes that molecules undergo and everything in the world depends on molecules and the changes that they they undergo, including the production of uh, vaccines. And uh, I want to start out by talking a little bit about uh, an issue that came up this week when many bloggers and even some newspapers reported that uh, fetal cells were used in the development of the um, one of the treatments that President uh, Trump underwent after he was diagnosed with COVID-19. And the treatment specifically is the one um, uh, put out by Regeneron, a, a biotech company that has come up with this uh, duo of monoclonal antibodies uh, which, with which the uh, president was uh, uh, treated. It's an IV infusion, and the idea is to uh, install in the body uh, antibodies that recognize the virus and destroy it. Uh, monoclonal antibodies are are fascinating and they hold a great deal of uh, of potential um, antibodies of course are produced in the body in reaction to any foreign substance uh, which is uh, uh, can be an allergen like like pollen uh, or something in food that the body reacts to anyway the offending substance is, is generally termed an antigen <clears throat> So any time that the body recognizes something as foreign, it will mount an attack against it, and uh, that attack involves uh, some white blood cells called B cells, which will then crank out um, antibodies. The hope with antibody treatment uh, is to prevent the full onset of COVID-19. So this company, Regeneron, has come out with a, a couple of antibodies, uh, which were based first on isolating uh, antibodies from uh a patient who had recovered from COVID-19, and the other one by injecting um, uh, mice with the uh, spike protein of the virus that characterizes the uh, uh, SARS-2-CoV virus, having the uh, mouse develop antibodies to it and then isolating the cells that make those antibodies and cloning the antibodies. And anyway, it's a long production process. And what they have come up with is a medication that includes the, these two antibodies that specifically target sites on the uh, spike protein of the coronavirus. There are no fetal cells that are used in the production of this vaccine now that doesn't mean that fetal cells are not used in the production of other uh, vaccines however uh, those cells are not derived from any current abortions way back 40 years ago uh, these cells were originally uh, derived from uh, uh, abortions and uh, they were um, healthy abortions that it was not not caused by any kind of medical problem and uh, those cells have been cultured ever since that time. And uh, these are what are known as immortalized cells. That is, they can divide uh, many, many, many times, unlike normal cells. But uh, these date back to 40 years. So even in the vaccines in which uh, viruses are, are um, cultured in these cells, uh, the cells that are used... Uh, are long, long-term derivatives of those original cells that were derived from uh, fetuses. And there are no fetuses being used now to derive those uh, those cells. And even the Catholic Church has no objection against vaccines that use that particular uh, technology, where they use the fetal cells to multiply the, the virus. And uh, there are other technologies, of course. The flu viruses usually are, are multiplied in... Um, egg uh, in embryonic eggs but getting back to the Regeneron uh, treatment so the isolation of those monoclonal antibodies had absolutely nothing to do with with fetal cells where the fetal cells do come into play is in testing the activity of those antibodies Because of the fact that fetal cells can uh, reproduce uh, many, many, many times, uh, you can have them produce the spike protein, uh, which is what you need in order to test the antibodies against it. So <clears throat> it is possible to insert genes into fetal cells that will code for the production of those spike proteins. And then you apply the antibodies to see whether or not the proteins are neutralized by those antibodies. So it's in the development, in the testing process, that some of those cells were used by Regeneron. However, again, I remind you that these are not cells that are, are currently derived from any kind of fetal tissue. That goes back about forty years, when one single aborted fetus uh, gave rise to the cells that have been cultured ever since. Uh, since then, uh, I mention this because uh, you know of the. Uh, uh, notion that many websites have proposed that that fetal cells were somehow injected into the into the president and that he shouldn't have allowed this uh, procedure because of course he certainly is uh, against abortions i don't think that that holds water for the reasons that i mentioned is that there certainly in the the product that was used there were no uh, no fetal cells of any kind. I, I guess uh, if someone is, is totally uh, morally opposed to the use of uh, fetal cells in any way, no matter how old those cells may be, uh, I guess they could have a, a, an objection to the use of any kind of pharmaceutical product that in any way used uh, uh, fetal cells. I don't think that that is a very reasonable objection uh, given the fact that uh, uh, those cells uh, have the potential of of uh, uh, being used in research that is going to save many many uh, lives <clears throat> well whether or not this um, uh, this duo of monoclonal antibodies works uh, we don't know for sure yet because the only investigation uh, so far has been on 275 patients uh, who were um, uh, treated at various degrees of illness. And some uh, did well, others did not do so well. So the, the results so far are checkered, but uh, there is some hope. Now, whether or not uh, President Trump's, uh, who seems to be doing quite well, can be attributed to these mono clonal antibodies, again, we can't say, because of course he got a whole collage of other drugs. He also got dexamethasone, uh, he supposedly is taking zinc, uh, taking uh, melatonin, uh, small doses of, of aspirin, and uh, who knows what else he may be taking. But in any case, we cannot come to any sort of conclusion on a study of uh, what we call N equals one, right? Uh, there. Uh, are <laughs> In order to have any kind of solid information, we need large-scale studies that involve hundreds of people, not just one. But hopefully the monoclonal antibodies will work. The trouble is that these are very difficult to produce and very, very expensive to produce, so they are not going to be available uh, you know, to anyone uh, on, a, on a large scale. Uh, but, of course, uh, when you have individuals uh, like the President of the United States, uh, then th- this treatment can be applied. All right, let me repeat my uh, my question. How do uh, the self-heating cans of coffee work? What is involved? How is the heat generated? Give us a call at 514-790-0800. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk in somewhat more detail about uh, one of the other drugs uh, that is being explored for treatment of COVID-19, and again, one that was uh, used in the treatment of President Trump. You're listening to The Dr. Joe Show. We'll be right back. Life's Everyday Mystery Solved. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. I'm going to add on another question in case you have trouble finding the answer to the first one about uh, self-heating coffee cans. Uh, What is the origin of the term jumbo? What is the origin of the term jumbo? Uh, 514-790-0800 is our number, and you can also text to 514-800. Okay, are you ready for a neat story? Well, whether or not, you're going to hear one. I think it's a fascinating one. So, listen up. Put that in on the front burner, so said the National Research Council in the U.S. That was back in 1941. And what did they want on the front burner? It was the isolation and purification of the substance produced by the adrenal glands that allowed the body to cope with stress. Surprisingly, this project was given higher priority than the development of antimalarial drugs and of penicillin. Remember, this was 1941. The need for immediacy was generated by intelligence reports that the Nazis were importing bovine adrenal glands from Argentina by submarine. Why? Why? because supposedly they want to extract a substance that would allow the Luftwaffe pilots to handle the stress of reduced oxygen in the blood when they were flying at high altitudes. The story of importing adrenal glands was never confirmed, and there's no evidence the Nazis ever used any sort of adrenal extract. <clears throat> However, German soldiers certainly did use methamphetamine. At that time, it was sold in Germany under the trade name Pervitin, and they used this to fight fatigue and to banish sleep. Historians claim this partially accounted for the rapid successful invasion of Poland and their quick trip through France. Hitler himself was treated with a variety of substances under the supervision of his personal physician, Theodore Morel, who was sort of a half doctor, half charlatan. He regularly injected the Fuhrer with vitamin shots, amphetamines, And finally, with eucodol, an early version of the synthetic opiate we now know as oxycodone, to which Hitler eventually became addicted and which likely contributed to his megalomania. There were also injections with extracts of various animal organs that likely included adrenals. While the Nazis may not have imported bovine adrenals from Argentina, the possibility of using adrenal extracts to improve human health and performance was not far-fetched. In 1855, British physician Thomas Addison had published a landmark monograph linking pathological changes in the adrenal glands to a disease in patients who exhibited a particular kind of skin discoloration. He also said feebleness of the heart's action and general languor, which means sort of tiredness and debility, were linked with atrophied adrenal glands that he found upon autopsy. The adrenals are located right on top of the kidneys. <clears throat> well, this disease that he discovered, characterized by functioning adrenal glands, came to be known as Addison's disease. And one of the famous victims of this condition was President Kennedy. Luckily for him, by the 1950s, the function of the adrenals and the chemicals they verified and a treatment for these was available. Thomas Addison's life, unfortunately, was blighted by depression and ended in suicide at the age of 72. His work, however, stimulated Charles-Edouard Brown-Sicard, destined to become the controversial father of endocrinology, to research the secretions made by internal glands in the body. Just a year after Addison's publication, Brown-Secard reported that removal of the adrenal glands in animals was fatal, but their life could be prolonged with the injection of extracts of adrenal glands. This stimulated him to further explore glandular injections, a project that would taint his legacy. Why? In 1882, at the age of 72, he stunned the scientific world with a presentation at the Société de Biologie in France in which he claimed that daily injections of testicular blood, seminal fluid, and testicular extracts from animals made him feel 30 years younger. What really got the attention of the audience was the report of quote, rejuvenated sexual powers a injection of extracts of monkey testes. He was his own guinea pig. While the testes do produce testosterone, which of course is a hormone, they do not store it. And we know this, as uh, was well explained by endocrinologist Robert Greenblatt, who was a medical uh, school graduate from McGill University and a pioneer in treating menopause with estrogen. And he pointed out that a therapeutic dose from animal glands would, quote, require about one-quarter ton of bull's testes. Although Brown-Secard evidence for his claims, the popular press was taken by the prospect of rejuvenation and elderly men began to clamor for treatment. Many physicians responded and began to inject men with Brown-Secard's fluid but were unable to duplicate his findings. And the version was that the great scientists had experienced the placebo effect. Although Brown Sicard was wrong about the testicular extracts, he certainly was one of the first scientists to postulate the existence of hormones. These are, of course, chemicals that are secreted into the blood and they affect organs at significant distance from the endocrine gland, as, as they are now called. So, for example, the idea was that the adrenal glands would release chemicals that would travel through the bloodstream and cause activity elsewhere, or that the thyroid gland would generate chemicals that would then get into the bloodstream and travel elsewhere, or that the testes would also do the same thing, generate all kinds of chemicals. All right, well, that's just the beginning of the story. I'm going to continue because we are going to end up with dexamethasone, the drug used to treat Uh, the President of the United States. You're listening to The Dr. Joe Show. We'll check news and be right back. Science, you can use. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. Before I get back to my uh, hopefully fascinating story about uh, chemicals derived from the adrenal gland, uh, let me remind you that a week from tomorrow week from tomorrow, we will have our annual Lorne Chartier Public Science Symposium. And obviously, because of COVID-19, this time it is going to be virtual, all online. That doesn't mean that it is any less impactive or interesting. I think this is going to be one of the most interesting ones because the theme that we have chosen is in whom do we trust? And if ever there were an era where that was an operated question, this is it. There are so many people out there offering a variety of different kinds of advice. The question is, are they trustworthy? We will explore that. Uh, The first uh, session will be Monday, uh, a week from tomorrow, which is the 19th. And the second session will be a week after that on the 26th. So both Mondays at 12 noon. And the sessions will last about an hour and a half or so. And each time we will have two speakers, two speakers. And you'll really want to get into it on the first one because uh, we will feature Britt Hermes. Britt Hermes is a former naturopath uh, who is going to tell us a great deal about who can be trusted and who not. She was trained as a naturopath and then she found uh, that she was given some rather untrustworthy advice about uh, the way she should practice. That is going to be absolutely fascinating. Anyway, for more info, you can go to our website, which is mcgill.ca OSS. McGill.ca/OSS, which is also where you can sign up for a weekly free uh, newsletter. You'll get all the information there. We will ask you to register. Uh, it's free, of course. It's very simple. Uh, you just register for the symposium because we want to have some idea um, in, in terms of the technology that we're going to use about uh, how many people are planning to, um, to attend. So the first session will be at noon on uh, Monday the 19th, the second one at noon on the 26th, and I'll tell you more uh, about them next week. But uh, we do have four really exciting uh, speakers. Anyway, check out uh, on our website, You all the information is, is there. Okay, now, uh, well, before I get back, uh, Barbara has been waiting on the line here for a while. Barbara. Yes, hi. Hi. Uh, I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. Um, I knew a gentleman that was in the American military, Uh and he said that many countries have had for many years the capacity. To create germs in their labs for the purpose of germ warfare, if they decided to do so. Right. I'm wondering if you think it's possible that as a result of Trump. Always uh, giving China such a hard time that China created the COVID-19 situation as a retaliation. No, you're you're very right about germ warfare, and many countries, of course, have developed uh, biological weapons. That's that's without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But uh, COVID uh, virus is not one of those. Uh, the virus is naturally occurring, as as has been ascertained by looking at its genetics. Uh, so it's, it's not a lab-made uh, virus, but uh, there's no question that China does have some um, biological warfare agents, and they would not need to develop uh, this virus because there are uh, warfare agents that are, are uh, more potent than this. Anyway, interesting uh, uh, okay. question. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for okay. the, for the Uh Let me just uh, remind our listeners the questions that I asked. What is the chemistry involved in the self-heating cans of coffee? And also I'm looking for the origin of the term jumbo you can give us a call at 514-790-0800. And of course, you can also text your uh, comments and uh, questions to 514-800. Okay, now let me get back to my story, which we had left you with uh, uh, Professor brown observations about uh, hormones and the fact that he had injected himself with extracts of animal glands claiming uh, rejuvenation. And uh, although uh, there was no real evidence for that, there's no question that he was, you know, one of the fathers of endocrinology, that is of the study of uh, or hormones. Anyway, uh, there's no, no question that he did stimulate further research. And one of these was carried out by Edward Charles Kendall, professor of physiological chemistry at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And he was intrigued by the work of Brown-Secard and also by Addison and about the uh, existence of these chemical messengers or hormones. And in 1914, he actually managed to isolate the thyroid hormone thyroxin from what? From 6,500 pounds of hog thyroids. Well, interesting work, isn't it? His attention then turned to the adrenal glands and the hope of finding the substance they produced that allowed animals to survive once their ad- adrenal glands had been removed. <clears throat> putative substance at the time was referred to as cortin. In his search for the elusive substance, Kendall extracted thousands of pounds of animal adrenal glands, discovering that there was no one specific cortin, rather the adrenals produced a number of compounds. By 1940, through studies with animals whose adrenals had been removed, he concluded that one of these compounds, which he called compound E, had the greatest activity in prolonging the life of the animals and that this was a candidate for the treatment of Addison's disease. He also noted that without adrenal glands, the smallest physical stress would precipitate the demise of the animals. Kendall's adrenal research at the Mayo Clinic came to the attention of physician Philip Hench, who was one of his colleagues at Mayo. And uh, Dr. Hench had made a remarkable observation. Patients who suffered from arthritis improved with the onset of jaundice. Hench also noticed that pregnancy relieved arthritic symptoms. And he postulated that under these conditions, the body produces some anti-inflammatory substance. He wasn't a chemist, so he sought help from Kendall, who suggested that bile acids, which build up during jaundice, and pregnancy hormones were chemically similar to his compound E, which upon identification of its molecular structure was eventually renamed cortisones, since it was extracted from the outer layer or the cortex of adrenal glands. By 1948, Kendall, with help from Louis Sarath at Merck, had developed a synthetic method to produce cortisone, uh, mostly from ox bile, and now having significant amounts at his disposal, he suggested that Hench try it on one of his arthritis patients. An opportunity presented itself when a patient at the Mayo Clinic refused to leave until she felt better. Mrs. G, as she came to be known was treated with cortisone and within four days showed almost miraculous improvement. Her pain resolved to such an extent that she went shopping and she claimed, I have never felt better in my life. Within months, 14 other patients suffering from arthritis were treated, results were similar. The word was about a miracle drug was out, but availability was scarce. And this gave rise to a black market for fake cortisone. But by 1952, a method to produce the drug from diostrogen a compound found in a variety of plants had been developed and cortisone began to perform its magic on arthritis sufferers. Well, we're going to take another break, and after that I'll finish my story of how we eventually ended up with dexamethasone, the drug that was used to treat President Trump, and the drug that unfortunately also plays a role in the brothels of Bangladesh. You're listening to The Dr. Joe Show. We'll be right back. Your source when you need answers. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. Let me go to Tom, who may have an answer to the coffee question. Hi, Tom. Yes, hello. Hi. Uh, Could it be the two... uh, My guess is the coffee can has a, a layer, double interior your uh, la- uh, container with an exothermic reaction of two chemicals. And my guess is it starts, the coffee is under pressure. When it's depressurized, that would trigger the exothermic reaction. Uh, no, I mean, obviously there is an exothermic reaction, but the question is what is that reaction? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay, All thanks. right. Uh, the other question was the it was uh, origin of jumbo. Derek. Hi. Hi. So uh, the origin of the word jumbo is because it was a circus. Maybe it was Barnum and Bailey. I'm not sure. They had a massive uh, elephant that was named Jumbo. Bingo. Very good, and I got a great story to tell you about that. Uh, I'm not sure I can get to it because I need to finish my other story about the adrenal gland, but if I don't get to it uh, now, I will certainly uh, regale you with it next week because it is a fascinating story. But you're right, the word jumbo originates from Jumbo the elephant who played a very important role in Barnum & Bailey's uh, circus. Okay, thanks very much for that. Okay, well, let me just get back to to, uh, the steroids that are isolated from the uh, adrenal gland. So uh, way back uh, in uh, 1948, when uh, the patient, Mrs. G, was injected with uh, uh, what we now know as cortisone, and she had remarkable uh, benefits uh, from it. However, the miracle was tainted by side effects uh, with prolonged use. Uh, patients suffered from periods of depression, mood changes, fluid retention, thinning of the skin, weakening of the bones. So the search was on to find synthetic analogs with increased efficacy and fewer side effects. Prednisone turned out to be more active and had fewer side effects, and that was the drug used to treat President Kennedy's Addison's disease. <clears throat> And then in 1958, both Merck and Schering, pharmaceutical companies, introduced dexamethasone, which was far more potent than cortisone and had a longer duration. But like all corticosteroids, which encompass compounds produced by the adrenal cortex and their synthetic analogs, dexamethasone had significant chronic effects that include osteoporosis, weight gain, changes in fat deposition, increased risk of ulcers, and of course, immune reaction suppression. Nevertheless, it is a very effective drug in the treatment of chronic obstructive lung disease, severe allergies, asthma, swelling of the brain, autoimmune conditions such as arthritis, and now COVID-19. Like any drug, dexamethasone can be abused. One example is its widespread use by ladies of the night in Bangladesh. While brothels are legal in many areas of the country, there's a very little monitoring of the age of the women, many of whom are below 18, the age required for practicing that particular profession in Bangladesh. Competition for customers is keen, and since the men apparently prefer larger and more rounded bodies, the women ply themselves with dexamethasone, which is cheap and available over the counter. It also provides more energy, which of course is welcome, since they service up to 15 men a day. The women are poor, can't afford to worry about long-term consequences. It is indeed a very, very sorry situation there, because many of these girls were essentially sold by their families uh, to the madams in the brothels as as, uh, white slaves. Uh, Dexamethasone obviously has a fascinating history and possibly an important role in the future. The British trial called RECOVERY for randomized evaluation of COVID-19 therapy has already shown that patients on ventilators given the drug have one-third fewer deaths than control subjects. Those requiring oxygen without a ventilator have a 20% fewer uh, death risk. Perhaps dexamethasone may even work on patients who are at an earlier stage of the disease. That is why President Trump was given dexamethasone, even though the treatment is not in step with current guidelines. Because right now, the guidelines for the use of dexamethasone is that it is used only on patients in hospital who are on ventilators or on supplemental oxygen. And uh, President Trump did not fit that. Nevertheless, his doctors decided to use this uh, more or less prophylactically. In any case, in 1950, for their discovery of cortisone, Hench and Kendall were awarded the Nobel Prize in Medicine and Physiology, which they also shared with Polish chemist Tadeusz Rickstein, who had independently also isolated the compound and developed methods for its synthesis. And there's an interesting little footnote to Rick Stein. Uh, Earlier in his career, he had investigated the composition of the flavoring substances in roasted coffee. He found that the aroma of coffee was composed of extremely complex substances, among which are derivatives of furan and pyrrole, as well as a number of sulfur compounds. I don't know if his research involved drinking uh, copious amounts of coffee. Uh, it may have been. In any case, uh, uh, Professor Rickstein lived to the ripe old age of uh, 99. I think he is the second oldest uh, person ever to have uh, uh, received, uh, or ha- ha- the second oldest to have uh, Reached the longest age for anyone who had received the uh, the Nobel Prize, uh, so there's the story for you. I think it's uh, it's an interesting one because it brings us up to date on uh, dexamethasone, which is this uh, corticosteroid that now is getting a lot of attention, and the uh, fascinating research that was needed in order to to create it, and it just uh, is I think. A shining example of the uh, notion that was uh, first voiced by Isaac Newton, of all people, who was not known to be very generous to others and was a rather cantankerous person, Uh, when asked how he had come up with so many good ideas, he said it's because he had stood on the shoulders of giants. And, uh, indeed, this is exactly what we see with the development of uh, uh, of the corticosteroids, which are so widely used today in many different conditions. Uh, you know, we we started out with, with uh, you know, th- the original work of Addison. Then we went to Brown-Secard, and we saw how Kendall expanded on that and th- that he did it in conjunction with Hench with some help from... Um, uh, from the Polish chemist. Uh, uh, and right now, we are uh, hopeful that dexamethasone is going to, uh, in some cases, be of significant help in treating uh, COVID 19. So that is it. Uh, we have once again a run out of time, and um, we'll be back with you next week. And uh, I will tell you the story of uh, Jumbo, the elephant. Uh, because it is an interesting one. Should I forget? Remind me if I forget to tell that story, but I will. Okay, we'll also talk about the symposium that is coming up a week from Monday. You're listening to the Dr. Joe Show, and until we meet again, same time, same station next week, I'm Joe Schwartz, hoping all the chemistry in your life comes out just right. Hey, everyone, sometimes it's nice to go slow, to take your time. Then there are times when you have to hurry, like now, during the final weeks of the...